This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Can I start by hoping that dancers Hannah Rogerson and Dermot Armstrong have dried dried off because there are two wonderful photographs on the front page. One is on the front page of the Irish Examiner. The other is on the front page of the Irish Times. Two photographs taken by Andy Gibson. And if you put the two photographs together, it's a kind of before and uh, slightly after photograph. And it was a photograph taken of rehearsals of Luke Murphy's slow time. And seemingly they were continuing yesterday on what looks like a floating pontoon on the lake in Lissavard Estate near Skibbereen. And unfortunately, the two the two dancers who were on this floating pontoon, Hannah and Dermot, came a cropper. And guess what? They both ended up in the lake. And the photograph of the Irish examiner is Hannah falling in and Dermot struggling to keep his balance. But if you look at the second photograph, which is the one in the Irish Times, you can see that Dermot did end up in the water because he is looking rather wet in the second photograph as he is trying to drag Hannah out of the water. Now, seemingly it's a 25-minute performance of Luke Murphy's Slow Tide and we wish them well. I don't know when it's on, uh, but we wish them well with it and we hope that they've dried off and on the actual day or night of the performance that the same thing doesn't happen to them. But the caption for the Irish Examiner, they call it River Dance. But you need to get the two papers. I'm lucky to have both of the newspapers in front of me this morning so that I'm able to see the before and after shot. 0818 103 103 John Paul, uh, taking your calls, texting and WhatsApping is also available this morning at 086 to 103 103 and while the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan is battling with the Minister for Agriculture and the Farming Community over agreed cuts to greenhouse admissions the, uh, the news comes out that we here in Ireland we are blowing our carbon budget on dairy cows but also on coal. This is the latest data on greenhouse gas admissions and unfortunately for this country, it shows our greenhouse admissions are growing instead of falling. Now, it's an increase in dairy cow numbers for the 11th year in a row. Also, a return to a heavy reliance on burning coal and oil to produce electricity. They have all very much pushed our emissions up. There is now more CO2 and methane going into the atmosphere than before COVID 
curtailed economic activity. The situation that we currently find ourselves in means that we are breaching government policy. We're also breaching national law and international agreements, all of which demand that we substantially cut our admissions. We're now in breach of binding EU targets for last, the the ones that were set for 2021 through to 2030. And what we're going to have to do now is either avail of what's called flexibilities, unsure what that is, or else we can buy carbon credits from other countries and that's the only way we're going to be able to achieve compliance. The new figures are published today. And while they're being published, the government is struggling to finalise all of the different sectors and the admission ceilings that each sector will have to sign up to. So certainly when they're sitting down to do those negotiations, it's going to be very disappointing to see these figures come out today because the ch- the chances of staying within the safe limit of admissions, which is set in the carbon budget for 2021 to 2025, have now dramatically dwindled when you look at what happened in 2021. Uh, Aiming for a 4.8 annual average admissions reduction, that's what was envisaged by the budget, that it no longer obviously now is going to be adequate. We're going to have to make up for the admissions for for 2021. Uh, The EPA are saying an average annual admission reduction of 8.4 per year is now going to be required between now and 2025 if we're to stay within the budget. Uh, Stephen Tracy is an EPA senior manager. He's quoted in the exa- in the, in the Irish Independent and, and uh, did a lot of the papers today as saying the situation is cause for concern and with deep emission cuts of more than 5 million tonnes of carbon a year now is what is needed. So what does that mean? Because people kind of say How do you, we, need to, we, need, we need to hear about it in layman's terms. What it will mean is it will be the equivalent of taking half the country's vehicles off the road for this year and finding an equivalent drastic measure in each of the following years up to and including 2025. And now agriculture admissions, they increased rather than reduced during COVID. Obviously the transport ones went down during COVID because there wasn't as much uh, cars out on the roads. The most significant drivers for the rise in admissions in 2021 where it was increased use of synthetic nitrogen fertiliser that went up by 5.2%. There was also higher dairy cow numbers. They went up by 2.8%. And that, according to the EPA, is the 11th consecutive year in a row that our dairy cow numbers have gone up in this country. But it's not just, you can't just point the finger of blame completely at the farmers because admissions from electricity generation also jumped by a massive amount. Um, it went from 17.6% last year um, or 8.8% above what it was in 2019. Now the reason for that it seems it's due to a tripling of coal and oil which was used in it in in, in generating largely electricity and it was used largely because increased production at the coal burning money point plant and that was meant to be in phased out mode and instead we had to go to money point to generate a lot of our electricity it was put back into full production for a couple of reasons firstly there was several of the cleaner 
gas burning plants. They were out of action for repairs. And then, of course, we had that uh, news that we didn't have enough wind and rain. Can you believe? Because we needed enough wind for the wind power and rain for the hydropowered electricity. But certainly what there wasn't enough wind generated last year. If you put it off off sea, there'd be enough wind. Wouldn't there be generated out at sea? But anyway, we don't have enough off-sea wind generation plants at the moment. Emissions from households, power and heating, they were 2.8% higher than where we were in 2019. And that, they're saying, is attributed to the number of people who were working from home during the pandemic. The figure could even have been higher, but the EPA said that warmer weather and continued rising cost of fuel prices reduced the amount of cold peat and kerosene which was used for home heating uh, because people simply couldn't afford it. So the increase was mainly down to the increased use of electricity. Overall, we as a country, we admitted over 61.5 million tonnes of greenhouse gases last year and when you break down that 61.5 million tonnes into which area contributed the most agriculture came out on top they were the biggest producer 23 million uh, tonnes of greenhouse gases were admitted last year from agriculture transport was next at 10.9 million electricity at 10.3 land use at 7.5 and householders way down at the bottom 7 million tonnes of uh, greenhouse gases were uh, admitted so certainly it's going to create a lot of headaches for in particular the Environment Minister, Green Party leader Eamon Ryan, and he, I, was, I know, saw this last night online, he was moving to quell the ongoing fears amongst the farming lobby and the coalition backbenchers that he wants a forced reduction or even a cull of the national herd. And he is still insisting that farmers will be paid well to change to more sustainable practice. You know, I've heard some of the farming organisations saying some of the suggestions from uh, Eamon Ryan, it isn't backed up with how it's going to be funded and, and how they're going to move to the more sustainable practices that Eamon Ryan is suggesting. But Eamon Ryan said any change in animal numbers will happen naturally and they won't be forced. And he is insisting that no farmer will be forced to cull any of its herds. And discussions over these contentious agriculture emission ceilings they're going to continue over the next few days with government sources last night insisting that the talks were constructive I love when you when you hear that that uh, to me when I hear constructive it means that both sides are still arguing and never the twain shall meet it's still anticipated there will be an agreement next week not just for the agriculture sector for all of the sectors they'll have agreed what reductions can meet this target of 51 a 51% cut in emissions by 2030. But looking at those EPA results, one wonders, does that figure have to even go higher? Already a text in on this saying, Patricia, there's a lot of talk about climate change in Ireland. The one thing coming true on all the debates is Ireland made the whole thing way too complicated. This listener says, I even heard one professor went so far as to say, if Ireland were to put in a note stating what they intend doing, that would simplify that would actually simplify things saying one thing and doing the opposite will trip one up in the long term and that comes in by text thank you for that yeah, we, I was uh, mentioning about uh, the carbon emissions and the negotiations that are going on at the uh, moment John in Carrigal Alliance says Trisha I hear you speak about emissions in Ireland and how high they are but we are a tiny little country God help us when you compare us to the rest of the world take a look at the war that's going on in Ukraine for the last few months and what would the emissions be 
in that country. It is a joke to hear even a suggestion that there would be a cull on cattle in this uh, country. We appear to be the fools of the world, says John in Carrigaline. Uh, Dennis uh, joins me. Dennis is actually within the agricultural sector uh, in that the Dennis O'Callaghan is vice president of the ICSA in Charleville. Good morning to you, Dennis. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you accept uh, as somebody coming from an agricultural background that we are in a dire, dire situation when it comes to climate change and that something has to be done. Yes, we all look at that. I don't think there's anyone disagreeing with that. But, Patricia, it's like, you know, we're all sitting around the table. But the farmers and the industrialists or, 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 or anyone else involved. Uh, but the finger is being pointed at the farmer all the time. Uh, like, you know, farmers have a lot done for the environment uh, through various schemes. Uh, we have a lot of forestry uh, around the country that you've seen you drive around. So already, like, we have made a big contribution to climate. Now, We've been asked there this morning, or in the last week, sorry, um, that we should, uh, you know, reduce the, the, the number of cows. Well, look, uh, how did that be stopped for cows or dairy cows? Now, even though in the United States, we represent the beef people always, we have a lot of dairy people coming to us now as well. And it's the, what they're saying to me is, look, right, they have invested heavily in that farm, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the numbers again. There was X amount of cows to make X amount of investment, to make a profit, if, if at all possible, right? Now, what they don't realise is there's another element to this. If we reduce the volume of, of cattle in this country, well, it's going to have a knock-on effect big time on the economy in the sense we're going to have an offer the people out of work because the, the volume of work won't be there. Uh, I'd also like to ask the Minister what he thinks about the export market. Is we, that we, that we uh, export 90% of our beef. And we have to, uh, you know, a lot of our, our, our dairy products go abroad. So if we reduce, we're going to have a reduction there. So they're going to have a reduction in their intake. Do you know, do you know what point I'm making? Yeah, I do. I do. I always think it's crazy, though. Why do we export 90% of our beef? Well, that's a good question. That's a, and it's a great it's something I can't get into here, we here this morning because we've been here half the day. But that is a, a big question over that. There's no two ways about it. There's a look... I suppose, with, um, all I can say in that sense, look, there's a lot of questions unanswered out there in relation to the practices of, of, of factories, of, of processors, and so forth and so forth. And indeed, our retailers, um, you know, they play a part in this as well. But, um, um, look... But your, po- your point I- is that farmers, and, and, and I know I spoke with the IFA uh, the other day as well, um, and, the, and, and if you listen to any of the farming organisations, yourself, your good selves included at the ICSA, it's not that you're willing to walk away from carbon emissions. You're, you're, you're willing to do your bit. But it, it, to me, it looks like on paper, certainly, that what Eamon Ryan is looking for, this 30% cut, is just a step too far. Would, would I be right in, in, in no. saying that? Look at the climate we're living in, uh, in the sense of the economic climate we have, right? Mm. We can't afford to, to do without any, um, without any uh, whether it's, what it's producing food or anything else. I mean, look, his ideas... Um, um, I'll give you an example. Going back about 30 years ago, there was a big influx on, on pollution, right? Mm. And straight away, the farmers jumped in. Yes, yes, and hands up, we did get grants through what we did, right? But at the same time, fellas went out there, borrowed... Even back then, the last of the building was done by the farmers themselves in their own properties and so forth. So, you know, every time that, the fa- that they said, hey, to the farmer, this is what we need to do, the farmers straight away stood up to the market and said, yeah, we're going to work on this. But all they were saying at the moment is that, um, and anyone who would stand back from it, 
and look at and draw a circle in the page and say, look, right, what, this, is, this, this is climate. But if we do this at one side, what's going to happen at the other side? Uh, yeah, but we've already seen, look, oil prices this year. Again, there's a huge question mark. We're, somebody said to me the other day, we're the dealers in the world for, for uh, fuel at the moment, which is crazy. Well, and small. a lot of that is down to taxes. And taxes. Not about, you drive around the country the other weekend. I find this extraordinary that you pass a filling station uh, and you won't drive 50 miles, you'll pass one station, maybe that there could be anything up to 15 cents of a difference. I always thought that there was a way to measure men going around. I was actually talking to a guy the other day and he tells me more that that has been done away with. Is it? Uh, I thought that was still in place. But yeah, the garages and, uh, will say that they set their price based on, on, on what they what they bought it in uh, for. Um, but the, the other one, was it you were on about the aviation, the aviation industry? Yes, I said, yes. I, I said, look, why don't we have, uh, to, to jump all there uh, when I ring in, why don't we have the micro deliveries of this world inside this table and all the rest of the people involved in aviation? Because, look, um, you know, don't get not Cork will say um, every every time you look up, this is just flying one way or the other. It's either going to Shannon, go to Cork, or whatever. But surely, with regard to the amount the amount of air taxes we have in the round of the week, you know, I don't think considering um, the the the, the uh, fumes from the, from those jets. Uh, if you want to call like with like, I don't think we'd, we'd be afraid yeah, at all. Yeah, but and and I know within the EU, the aviation authority don't pay; they're exempt from VAT. Right. And and That's I'm right. sure I'm sure on carbon tax as well, because I know I was reading a piece that if if they started to charge airlines a hundred euro a ton for carbon by 2030, it would cut emissions by 14.8 percent. But the knock-on effect would be if they started to charge carbon tax to the aviation authority airfare would go up but, yeah. but, but, I, but I, a lot of people would say well so be it if you want to fly on a plane then you, you, you'll have to pay the extra Come here if you go back about 20 years ago to, to, it nearly cost you 500 euro or 500 quid that time to go to England if you want to do some tickets that's it right what time of year winter yeah. so well, we, 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 we've, we've been there we've paid the, 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 but like these people have gone on right as you say they, their support put in their from them uh, and, and they're exempt from an awful lot of things but they've made huge profits Massive profits. Now you go back to the farming sector, and to be quite honest, the bulldozers, um, uh, the dairy lads are getting a good price for the first time in a long time. Their prices, their, mar- their margins are still tight because of the rise in costs in, in feed and fertilizer, etc. The dairy, go- uh, the beef guys are nearly wiped out. We're like we are on our knees in uh, where beef is concerned because you know we can't take any more hits. It's as simple as that. But if we want to have quality pr- produce on our tables in the sense of meat products. Well, you know, if the software had disappears, well, then people would be eating a different product. Okay. okay, and and by the way, what did you make of now, and it, I always love when it comes out as a government source, nobody's willing to put their name to it, the suggestion that if the farming organisations and the Minister for, for, for Agriculture doesn't step up and agree to what Eamon Ryan wants of the 30% cut, that that means other sectors are going to have to pick up the flack on, for the farmers. And one of the suggestions was that people who have two cars in the household you'll have to get rid of one of the cars. Well, you know what? At the way things are going, Patricia, that's going to take care of itself. Because with the way prices are going and costs are running, I think we'll be all reducing the amount of cars we've been Yeah. I think people, and, and people won't be able to afford it. Speak for itself. But, like, going back to, to, to Charlie McGonagall, look, look, as an organisation, would you believe this? Going back in 2019, I made Charlie McGonagall aware of another situation that he has yet to act on, right? So to be quite honest about it, you know, uh, he is in a, a difficult position at the moment because you have, you, at the end of the day, they're all in government 
something will have to somebody will have to bridge it somewhere, right? And maybe, as you said, we will find that other sectors will pick it up, and there will be extra costs put on it. But I think we will live with costs. But if we reduce, you know, it's like you know, if we're the factory at the morning and we have 50 people working, and now we can only have 25. Well, obviously, is the factory sustainable? Is it sustainable to stay in, in, in the industry that we're in? I think that'd be a big question out there. And I think it's going to have a devastating effect okay. if we have to reduce the okay. amount that they're saying. And Joe in Bantry says that young farmers were put under pressure by Chagas and government agencies to increase their herds. It was all part of Harvest uh, 2020. So what's happening now is farmers are being put under pressure. The next thing we'll be talking about is well, Joe, food I scarcity. Because I didn't want to be pointing the finger totally at the government. But exactly as you've said, the amount our cows have increased. Why have the volume of cows increased? Because of the advice that was given by Tagus. People are advised, grow, grow, grow. That was the name of the game. If you weren't talking that language to them, they didn't want to talk to you. And that's the, that's the truth. That's the reality of it. So, you know, with the government today telling us we must do this and reduce. Yes, for the last number of years, and even including this year, as, you, as it was pointed out earlier in the programme, the amount of cows has gone up. So, like, you know, who, who's not talking to who? Can I put it that way, Joe? Okay, all right. And just one final one. Henry says, Patricia, isn't it very convenient that this report has come out from the EPA, uh, which is going to further help to justify why we need more cuts in agriculture? I'm a farmer and I'm totally depressed listening every day to the farmer bashing that is going on, listening to the cuts of services in rural Ireland, listening to the state of our health service, listening to old people on pensions worried about heating and feeding themselves. We'll have the leaders of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael soon in Bail and It's time to take action. It will be a tribute to Michael Collins to have the biggest protest in Ireland that day to try and protect rural Ireland. I'm sure the big fella would have been proud to see his own people standing up for themselves. Okay, listen, we'll leave it there. Listen, Dennis, I appreciate your contribution. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for uh, joining us. That is um, Dennis uh, O'Callaghan, he's president of the ICSA and he is farming in the Charleville area. 0818 103 103. Your lines are open. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And I will come back to the reduction in the greenhouse gases because I can see there's a lot of commentary coming in on that particular issue. But I want to move on because this week, Social Justice Ireland launched a public services policy saying the government must provide increased public services and that it is essential in addressing the cost of living increases. To discuss some of the findings in the report, I'm joined by Suzanne Rogers, who is Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you, Suzanne. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Well, you're, you're very welcome to the programme. And there, there's a bit of irony in this, in that it was this time yesterday I was meant to be talking to you on this very subject. But we unfortunately had to cancel you for 24 hours because of the influx of calls and comments we were getting about AIB and their decision to turn so 70 of their banks cashless. And in particular, all of our calls were coming in from people in rural areas. I mean, we were talking about people on the tip of the Bear Peninsula in Castletown Bear, people having to travel an hour. It would be a two hour round trip in order to get to a bank. More proof again that it's rural Ireland when any of these cuts happen. It's rural areas are affected the most, isn't it? 
It seems to be now I'm very conscious that I mean, I live in a very busy Dublin suburb. And when I do have to go into a branch bank, it's usually carnage. So it is it does happen across right across the country. Do you know what I mean, like all of these services are being withdrawn across the country, but I have options. It's not an hour for me to get to my nearest bank. I can choose to go to different branches of the same bank. Whereas you said in rural Ireland, the more thinly, thinly populated areas have less options. And it's as simple as that. <clears throat> I mean, I was down the, the, the west of Ireland myself recently now, much further north. But like that, it was, it's 21 kilometres from where we were into the nearest town. So that's 21 kilometres before you get to a prescription before you get to pick up a birthday card, before you get to get something nice for after the dinner, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like that's and and whilst there is public transport available, um, it's not always again like the Dublins and the other urban centres. If I miss a bus here and I'm given out and I'm stood in the rain, I know that there will be another couple of buses within the next hour. That's not an option for rural Ireland. It's either maybe one bus a day in and out or it's one bus an hour or it's one bus in the morning and maybe another bus in the afternoon. So the options are much, much, much limited once you get further out of the urban centres. Yeah, and I know um, earlier in the week when I mentioned that you had uh, a report that found this huge deficit in public transport provision in rural Ireland, I had so many listeners saying we didn't need a report to be told that. But what effect uh, is that having? It adds to people's costs. I suppose that's really the bottom line. And I, I kind of conscious when, when I was sort of waiting to come on that you had mentioned about climate action goals and greenhouse gases. There's two simultaneous conversations, I think, happening when we talk about public transport and transport in general. So one is the cost, the financial cost for rural Ireland of keeping one car on the road because you have to. And most people, again, if they're out of the city centres or out of the town centres and they have kiddies, you're looking at maybe two cars and that's just to get in and out of school, get in and out to after school, to get in and out of the doctors and the dentists and the haircuts and the school shoes and all of those things. So running two cars is expensive. The cost of diesel and petrol have gone up. That's right across the board. That affects everybody. But again, I probably don't fill my car as much and as often as somebody who like that is doing a 21 kilometre journey just to get the paper and a few stamps. And secondly, again, it's that conversation about our climate goals. We need to be getting out of our cars. And for a lot of people, they would like to cycle or walk or use public transport. But if there's no option, you don't have the choice. And it's funny, so many listeners yesterday uh, made that very point about what the AIB Bank was doing and saying, you know, on one hand, we've got Eamon Ryan, Green Party leader, saying to people, get out of your cars. And yet we have a, a majority state owned bank saying, well, you can't go to your local branch because it doesn't have any cash. You're going to have to get in your car in a rural area and drive an hour to get to the nearest bank instead. There was, that wasn't lost on a lot of our listeners yesterday. Now, you also looked at affordable high-speed broadband. Again, not all rural households have access to that at the moment. That's it. So we looked at uh, internet connectivity. The re- most recent figures I had for this now, we're looking at 92%. So we're quite high across the country. And what they found was that for households with kids in it, practically every single household with a kid in it is connected to the internet compared to 
79% of adult only households. But it goes back, I suppose, to the banking thing and the transport thing. These are probably older households. I like cash. My parents are older. They like cash. Yeah. You know, we, we come we come from a time and a place where it was always cash. Your wages came in a little envelope on a Thursday night, maybe a little bit of loose change in it. So some of us still like to use cash, you know, despite the COVID stuff, we'll use our cards when we have to. But for a lot of people, they find budgeting handier in cash. Mm. Um, so, again, it's the whole thing of moving people online again we see that more and more often that you have to engage with so many services online and to do that you have to have access to the internet and again you can see that broadband connection it's really good on the east coast you know dublin the mid-east you're looking at 92 percent, 90 percent connectivity and then as you move towards the border and the west regions it drops to 73 percent and 79 percent so again you're looking at that sort of as you move out of the urban centers and move across that there is less and less reliability. And I think reliability is a key word as well with all of these services is that you need to know that you can log on for work. You need to know that you can get the bus in for work, all of those things. So for I suppose for houses then that don't have access to the internet, they were sort of saying that some of them say they don't need it. Some have lack of skills. There is a prohibitive cost of access and high equipment costs. And again, 9% said that, you know, it was a lack of availability and the broadband internet was a big factor. And also with online, uh, and it's something that we would address on this programme, we do a, a weekly crime file slot with Angarda Siakona. The reported cases of fraud are on the, the increase and that worries it, people. Absolutely. Again, when you look, say, it's because it's all, everything, everything's connected. So you look at, say, the way AIB have said, we won't provide cash services. You need to go to the post office in order to do that. They're moving so many of us online. I get texts and emails all the time that look really, really, really genuine. And then I have to go, oh, I don't actually bank with that bank. This is this is fraud. Mm. So, you know, straight away, I think, oh, is, is my bank account compromised? So we were bombarded with all of this stuff and we really need to be so savvy with it. And that was, again, a key concern that links to sort of, I suppose, financial literacy as well as the digitalization. If the banks want to move us online, if the banks want to get us away from cash and using our money digitally, we need to feel safe in that. It needs to be reliable. The reported cases of fraud, and again, I'm always conscious when you look at what's being reported, what's not being reported. Um, We had uh, more than doubled. So the cases more than doubled at the end of 2021 to almost 17,000 cases. And that was sort of, you know, fraudulent transactions, unauthorized transactions, attempts to attain personal or banking information online or by phone. So, again, for many of us, um, I don't know that. I mean, I I find myself kind of caught up sometimes kind of going, oh, is that a genuine thing? Is that Mm. not a genuine thing? And for maybe my parents who if they got a message that said, you know, you have exceeded your limit or your account has been compromised. I'm not 100 percent. They're going to panic first and foremost because they trust the system. You know, they come from an era where you trusted figures and authority much more maybe than you do now. So we need to kind of link all of this together access to financial literacy and services. And again, that whole digitalization, being safe online and especially being having your money safe online, mm. I think is. So so, it's, so your message to the government is that if they expand the, the public sector and provide the increased public services, it, it, it will go some way to addressing the cost of living increases. Yes, I think 
the issue sometimes can be that we rely on the private market. So when you go back to public transport, there will be routes with the best will in the world that will never make a financial return for a company. They simply won't. Um, but at the same time, are we saying then that that community doesn't deserve any service at all? So we need to maybe look at, OK, it's a, you know, it's a small community. We will provide a service in some shape or form. Nobody's recommending that there's empty buses running around the country. That doesn't serve anybody anywhere. But it will make a difference. And again, I go back to these are investments, not necessarily costs. We do need to look at it in that light. And again, to go back to, you know, the climate action thing, the greenhouse gas emissions and all of that, we are facing astronomical fines if we don't meet our climate action goals. So all of these things are connected. If they want us out of our cars, if they want to reduce our emissions, and again, private car use accounts for most of our transport emissions. How do we make that change? It's by making sure that, well, you actually have a choice. You have an option to get on a bus. That's the only way we're going to get out of our cars. Okay. Is that if we know there's a bus coming. OK, well said. Listen, pleasure as always to talk to you, Suzanne. Thank you for that. And Thank thanks you. for joining us this morning. That is Suzanne Rogers, Research and Policy Analyst with uh, Social Justice Ireland and on the cashless uh, uh, system. Caroline in West Cork says, Patricia, banks want us to live in a cashless society, thereby holding us to ransom. Well, Irish people need to wake up. If every family in West Cork decided to clean their cash out of the banks, I wonder what the bank would do then. And that's some Caroline in West Cork. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Now last Saturday with glory sun shining, the Bantry Bay Port Company welcomed the Oceana Cruises vessel MV Serena to the local harbour to discuss what these cruise ships mean to the area. I'm joined by Michael Murphy who is Assistant Harbour Master and Pilot at the Bantry Bay Port Company. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning Patricia. You're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now I believe this was the second time that this particular cruise vessel arrived in Bantry this season. They must love Bantry. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, this is the second, as you say, this is the second visit. Serena has come into Bantry in our in our harbour. Um, so, like you mean, they they obviously um, we have uh, spent a lot of uh, a lot of time and uh, promoting um, uh, these cruise um, visits into into Bantry. And um, where where would it have where would it have come from? Um, the Serena came from Cove, um, the, both times. Uh, um, so, like, I mean, they Cove, kind of their usual visit, like, is either Dunmore East, um, Cove, uh, either Jingle, Galway, Killybegs, that would be the kind of Irish thing, the Irish side of things. They call that kind of the majestic tour of Ireland, so... Okay, all right. It goes around. It goes around the coast. Okay, and and when passengers disembark, do many stay locally, or where do they head off to visit? So, um, I suppose, uh, Patricia, on that question there, I suppose, um, you know, I, maybe most of them will go away on a on a on a bus tour in the morning to the likes of um, to the Mizzen Head, you know, Garmish Island, Skibreen, Sheepshead, the Bearway, Gugan Barra, and other local attractions there. You know. But most of these um, uh, these these cruise liners now have kind of figured out that it's in their best interest that um, that they come back. Uh, most of these tours come back at around one or two o'clock. So a lot of those passengers 
come up and visit Bantry Town then for until maybe four, five, six o'clock until until the um cruise line departs again. So um there is a great, you know, football on the on the whole uh, community. Um it is a massive economic benefit for the West Park region. So like you mean there's it's a good news situation, really, on, on the whole. Absolutely, absolutely. Great for Bantry, but of course, so many wonderful places for the tourists to visit as well. We, we really are blessed. Have you many more cruise ships? Are you expecting many more this summer? Yeah, so we've, uh, we've five more. Um, we've five more on, on, our, on our books here, um, uh, Patricia. So um, the, the next one is expected on the, on the 5th of August, uh, the island sky. So um, yeah, and I suppose the last one then is on the on the 16th of September, which is the Spirit of Adventure. She has also been in here um, twice before this year, so this will be her third visit. She is carrying a, pa- a passenger capacity of about a thousand passengers. That's, so, a, that's um, a big. That's a big boat. And what what are the nationality of the of the tourists on board? Okay, they they, they vary. Um, I suppose in in the in the last one I mentioned there, uh, the Spirit of Adventure, most of those would be Germans, and then um, the Serena the last time would have been mostly Americans. So um, it it's very then all European nationalities, you know, um, even some Irish go on those cruise liners. So like I mean, it's it's very very varied. Uh, UK passengers as well, you know, in in, in a lot of those. Um, in a lot of those liners. So, you know, it's, it's a very kind of uh, between Americans and Europeans, basically. And is the hope into the future, Michael, to grow the numbers over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose prior to the pandemic, um, you know, and it's been, it's been a long couple of years without them, I suppose, we were growing all the time. And, uh, you know, I suppose we're back really at square one at the moment. But as I say, you know, um, our subsidiary company is Port of Cork. Um, we we are Bantry Bay Port Company, and you know the Port of Cork does promote a lot of the the cruise line industry. They have representatives going over to America and to Europe to promote all this, and you know the benefits will be coming in the next few years again. Fantastic, um, fantastic! Because yeah. definitely, uh, you know, the cruise ship industry took a major hammering during the pandemic. But it really does look like customers are very much coming back to the cruise uh, ships. Yeah, absolutely, Patricia. You know, um, like Ireland speaks for itself with the picturesque, idyllic um, locations that we have to offer. It's second to none in the world, really. Like you I mean, um, even. Even, you know, I, as you said there, now I'm the pilot of the vessel as well. I actually probably, I am the first contact of a lot of these vessels that, that come into Bantry. And even the, even the bridge staff, um, the captain and, and, and all, the, all the crew and the first mates and whatever, um, their mouths are open just coming up the bay. Like, oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning in a, in a beautiful day. You, like, you uh, can be so proud of it every time one arrives. You are. Yeah, you are, yeah. You are. One of the better parts of my job. Well that, done, yeah. well done. And do many local people come out to see the cruise ships when they're docked? Absolutely. Like I mean, that's the thing, Patricia. Like I mean, um, it's not only it's not only the actual uh, cruise liner passengers. As I say, there's a thousand passenger passengers on some. There's only a hundred on others. But it it it's the actual football as well regarding the, the people coming to see the cruise liner. 
you know, eating inventory and whatever. So it's got a massive economic impact as well. So, like, I mean, for every, you know, for every cruise liner, they could be, they could be maybe another 500 locals. Brilliant. Brilliant. It is. It's a win-win all round. Listen, continued uh, good luck with the rest of this uh, season and for the years ahead, Michael. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. Thanks a million, Patricia. Good morning. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Michael Murphy, their assistant harbour master and pilot at the Bantry Bay Port Company. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Still so many people commenting on what was a very busy programme yesterday when we were discussing AIB's decision to go cashless in 70 branches nationwide with 12 of them affecting us here in Cork. Anne is um, on WhatsApp and I'm assuming listening to us in Tipperary and says, Hi Patricia, an example of closing down rural Ireland. There will be no cash bank in Carrick and Shore. Care, Cashel and Ross Grey. Shocking. We need a public demonstration, says Anne. And Councillor Declan Hurley says, Patricia, following on from yesterday's AIB discussions on your programme and your interview earlier, there's a huge lack of joint up thinking. There's no account taken of the domino effect from a decision made to cut services that affects the general public. And I think, yes, Suzanne the from Social Justice Ireland very much saying that while she was joining us from the middle of Dublin, she says when they lose a service in Dublin, you know, it might be a bit inconvenient for people, but there'll be another similar service, i.e. with the cashless bank. If they decide to make so many of the AIB banks cashless in Dublin, there'll be another one that will only be a stone's throw away where they can go instead. That's not the case if you're living in rural Ireland. And someone else says, Patricia, a lot of towns are organising petitions. For example, Dunmanway Chamber of Commerce are doing a petition at the moment. More towns need to follow suit. Well, on that, Gillian, we spotted this. Gillian has set up a face. Facebook page called Cork Says No to a Cashless Ireland. Now, Gillian is in, um, you're in McCroom, is it, Gillian? I am. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah. Uh, um, uh, good morning. Tell good me morning. about, this is a Facebook page. Tell me why you decided to, to go down this route. Um, the reason I decided to go down this route is because, first of all, cash is king. Okay. Um, basically, I feel that it is a way of the government having full control over everything we do. And if we go down this route, everything will go cashless. And the people, like, we have bailed out the banks, you know, in the last in the last recession. We bailed out the banks and basically it's been thrown back at us. I mean, we supported the banks and the government is the majority shareholder of 63.5%, Patricia. And mm-hmm. being honest, the Minister for Finance can change, he can direct the bank and they can stop this, but they do not want to. Yeah, and, and we're still trying to get confirmation as to whether, whether Pascal Donoghue knew about this decision or not he before did, they before. went off before they went off on the, on their holidays. Mm, uh, convenience, yeah. yeah. But and, and as well by everybody moving to you know digital banking and online banking and tap and go and all, and all of that, there's a cost involved in that there that is. you don't have when you're dealing in cash. There is, Patricia, because every time you tap your card, there is a charge on it. Everything, even if it's a bar of chocolate. You're getting charged for it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. The reality, you know. Yeah, whereas if you do want to withdraw money, what the, there may be a charge to withdraw money, but you can yeah. withdraw as much as you need then for the week yeah. if you still have to do some kind of a banking with the card. Now, your own yeah. husband is in is in business, and this he is, is yeah. this is one that, and this is an example of how yeah. cash yeah. continues to be king. Explain yeah. explain about your husband's business. Uh, my husband has a small barber shop in McCoom. Okay, and to be honest, he has a very loyal clientele, which. We, we are just completely, you know, grateful for, especially with after COVID. Now we know, as in when we opened, everybody supported him. And 
to be honest, he has a loyalty. He has a, he has a large clientele of older clients as well. And those older clients, you know, they have a fantastic, we have a fantastic relationship with them, even outside of, you know, coming in for haircuts and everything. Um, he would often call to see how they how they're doing, call out if he is a, he does a lot of house calls outside of work, you know, as in like for people who are in wheelchairs, who are after strokes. There's a lot of after work going on as well, you know. Yeah. And it's you know you have to have loyalty to the older generation. They've worked very hard all their lives. And you can't just burden them with a cashless society. It's just not fair. It's not like, you know. Yeah, and they all feel more comfortable with cash. And and, and actually, I I saw an example of how the older generation certainly only deal with cash. I was uh, recently in a hotel and the bar in the hotel wasn't able to take cash payments. Uh, um, I wasn't able to take card payments and the number of people that went up to the bar and realised they were were trying to pay by card and and there was a sign up saying sorry no card the amount of people it was was a family setting with children and and whatever around so there was lots of people had granny and granddad with them the amount of grannies that had to open up a purse to say well I've got money you're okay and granddad's taking out wallets whereas their adult children we're only yeah. trying to deal in cars. And it was really, it was almost a sense of panic going, oh my God, I've no cash. Yeah. Um, and it was just a situation where a, an establishment wasn't taking cards. And that does yeah. happen. There's also the added problem that things yeah. can go wrong. At the end of May this year, there was a mm-hmm. software error in Germany. That left That's right. That's still ongoing, I believe. Is it? Yeah. And, and yeah. it left shops unable to take card payments. Yeah, they're still, yeah, that's the big issue, I believe. I was reading up on it recently, and that's still a massive issue. And the other thing is, like, fraud. I mean, the amount of fraud going on as it is. Now, mind to say, how much money would actually be spent trying to, you know, to get it with fraud as, you know, go ongoing, like, and I mean, the other side of it is, the other side of it is, if we have power cuts, yeah, how simple would we thing. Yeah. if we have no power, you know, with a, our cards? Yeah, a simple thing like a power outage. And we're already yeah. being threatened with power outages. That's it, yeah. 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 No, and I can't understand, like, and I mean, the other side of it, they're on about ESB shortages coming. And the, yes, they're building these massive data centres, you know, to go along with this cashless society, if you're honest. It's kind of all parts of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's taking an awful amount of ESB, you know, and that's, you know, that shouldn't be going on either at the moment. OK, so people can sign uh, yeah. sign up to your Facebook page and it's simply yeah. called Cork Says No uh, to a Cashless uh, Ireland. And it yes, does right. seem like there is a lot of petitions starting yeah, up as like, well. I haven't started one online as yet because I'm not that tech. T- I'm, okay. Look, I can do the online and everything, but I wouldn't really have. I would, I've never done a petition online in my life. Yeah. So if there's anyone who can help me with that, I would actually appreciate I'd like to do one online if it can be done to get, you know, you know, signatures on it. But tomorrow I'm actually going leafleting in McCroom. Um, I'm trying to get get it organised for tomorrow morning um, to make more people more aware of what's coming, you know, down with regards to cashless and how it's going to affect us all, you know. Because a lot of the older generation, I don't know, do they even know what's coming, the creatives, you know. I know, I know. But listen, we, we've had that with Ulster Bank and KBC pulling out. That's right. um, and, yeah. and, you know, I know groups like Alone and Age Action are already getting very worried about that, that a lot of older people don't yeah. realise that their bank is suddenly going to disappear on them That's uh, right, completely. Like. And, and the other would side be... of it, Patricia, sorry, now to cut yeah. across, yeah. Do you know, like, the simple things as well, like I was thinking now as well, you know the way, like, we teach our children, you know, we're regards money, you know, how to deal with money and learn about money and what, you know, the aspect of cash is. I mean, that's very important for children growing up, you know, learning what, how to deal with money and, you know, yeah, yeah. the education side of it. And you have, like, the older people in with regards bingo, 
there's a lot of issues around it. Like, I mean, you'd have to use older people. You know, it's a tradition in Ireland we don't want to lose for the older generation regarding going to bingo, for instance. It's all in cash. How could you deal with, you know, tapping a card in bingo? You know what I mean? Yeah, and even somebody yesterday was saying about all the local GAAs and their lo- right. their lottos, you yeah. know, where you pay in your, your, your couple of euro every week to pick out okay. your numbers in the hopes you're going to win on the local GAA lotto. Oh, That's right. all. That You do that all in cash. That's all of right. that. Yeah. Like, and even communions and, you know, yeah. even like a young fella there cutting the grass, you know, in the summer. The simple things like giving a few pounds to a young fella school is the odd few jobs. Like, that's all going to be stopped. I mean, everything is going to, we're going, it's all going to be full control. Like, you know, the government will know exactly what everyone's spending. And when you go and visit Granny and she slips a fiver yeah. into your hand as you're heading out the door. <laughs> we can you never exactly. lose that. There'd be no tapping on that uh, one. We can never lose that. Listen, Gillian, well done. I'm well done for having the initiative uh, to thank set this up. We'll check in with you again to see how it's you. going. But thank I, you in the meantime. I really appreciate it. No thank problem. You. Bye thank bye. You. And if anybody else knows of any petitions that are ongoing, it'd be nice to see shops as well. You know, shops who know that cash is king and know that a lot of their customers rely on cash. It'd be nice to see petitions maybe on shop counters. Remember the old fashioned way? where you signed a petition it'd be nice to see some of those being uh, set up as well uh, thank you to Gillian there and Cork says no to uh, cashless uh, that's the name of her Facebook page and actually when Gillian was mentioned fraud uh, this is it's, well it's not fraud but it certainly is criminality but I just want to give a warning on this uh, because one of our listeners contacted us from Mallow this morning to say that a young man was seen checking car doors last night and it was in the Blackwater Drive area of Mallow. He was wearing a black hoodie and he was literally going from car to car to car checking to see who had gone to bed and had forgotten to lock their their car. Now obviously this particular resident who spotted this guy in wearing the black hoodie called the guards uh, immediately but she's contacted us this morning to say just to remind people to advise people to always make sure that your car is locked outside your door or in the driveway of your of your house. We all arrive home and you get the shopping out of the car and you're busy and you're in and you're out and you might just uh, forget, particularly now that you, for most of us with the cars, you just press the button on the key and the car is locked. Make sure your car is locked because how often on our Garda file do we hear of cars being broken into and inevitably, uh, a lot of them, they will, won't have been locked. So please uh, keep that in mind. 0818103103. OK, I'm going to stay on the cashless uh, society. And this is cashless business because Councillor, oh, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien has uh, contacted me. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. Now, How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, you are aware of businesses in Mitchellstown, where a lot of them will be, like what Gillian is talking about, her husband, little barber shop in McCroom. They predominantly deal in cash. Exactly. Patricia, I was blown. When I heard this news on Tuesday, just for our municipal meeting, so I raised it under AOB. And like I, I just said, this again is happening. Now, there was a council that fought back at me and told me I was again being alarmist and raising these things. But I was very strong when Bank of Ireland was closing in Mitchellstown. And like, if you look back, Bank of Ireland closed the whole branch down. And I, at the time, so during COVID, they closed. And they said, during, I said when we were restricted two kilometres, and we were sent to Pomoy. Then they said, oh, I was alarmist again. And, and what you got. So then they opened up for a few months, but then they closed down. But we could see at that stage, this was a little plan in place. And I always said, next will be AIB. So when I saw it on Tuesday, I just said, that's it. I have to raise this at the meeting. 
is the critical service inside Mitchellstown. I alone yesterday, you know, just even three things I needed cash for. The dry cleaners was cash only, the alteration station, and also there was nail bar. You know what I mean? These people are, like, they're small businesses. A cash card, a, a machine costs them money, so they operate in cash. But even as that girl, Gillian, fair play to her, and I say, drive it on, drive it on, I give her full support on it. It's time we stood up and be accountable. You know, the town is, it needs a bank. We're a rural here, area here in Mitchellstown. They have farmers with checks going to bank. And you can only lodge, I think actually the credit union, you can lodge greater than 5,000 checks. You know, so like, you, you, it's what I say, it's just closing down rural Ireland. You need cash. As that girl there said, you get the uncle in there to cut the lawn, mm. to throw him a few bob. You know, there's the, the babysitter. You know, like of all these little things, that cash is critical. You need your cash. You try, I try to operate as cashless, but there is, as I say yesterday, I had to go to the machine twice to get money. Yeah, there's, I, there's I, always a time where you're going to need cash. And as I pointed out uh, to Gillian, uh, and she was aware of it, there was some software error going on in Germany at the end of May. She thinks it's still going on. But there was lots of shops suddenly couldn't take card payments. And what, their businesses are going to turn away somebody because their their card machine suddenly isn't working and the person has no access to get cash. And that's that what will happen. happen. That's what yeah. will happen in, in towns where there isn't an ATM machine. That's right. Because yeah. actually, I've, I've, I've come across myself where you've gone to the machine and next minute it wouldn't take your card or something would happen and you know it might be just would have been blipping the machine or something the machine going down and you'd end up having to run to the machine to get cash to pay for the shopping yeah. it happened to me once in Derry Goods and I think it happened one night in Tesco because well I got got I don't know what happened with the card or what or there was some system problem and I'd go get cash you know so like I can't see how we can operate cash but the fact that this is a majority state-owned bank, I think that is making it a very bitter pill to swallow. Indeed. And, like, you know, we bailed out the banks. And, like, as I say, you know, we all paid back what we owed to banks and we paid every day. You know, I think, in fairness, at this stage, they owe us something. And it was a really nice one slipped in, just the dog going to recess. It is just not on. And I think the people are so right to keep shouting at this stage. Well, I've never... Yeah. I have to say, Deirdre, I've never seen a reaction uh, like it in many, many years. People, yeah. I, you yeah. know, people are really and maybe, you know, people power worked before when it came to water mm-hmm. charges. Maybe people yeah. power can work on this one as well. All right. Yeah. Listen, Deirdre, thank you for that. Very well. And uh, thanks. And thanks for contacting the programme. That is uh, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien based in Mitchellstown. Mary in Dunmanway says, if I go into a supermarket and I have my trolley full of shopping and I get up to the checkout and I don't have uh, cash and they're saying to me, you have to pay by card. What's my option that I leave all my shopping there are shops willing to lose that kind of business if they decide to go cash card only and, and don't use cash uh, Mary says in Domama she doesn't have transport the bank account uh, she has has now been moved to Clonakilty the type of card she has it can only be used within Bank of Ireland so she can only go to a Bank of Ireland ATM machine she doesn't have family living nearby so she now has to travel to Clonakilty from Domamway in order to get cash out of the machine there if she, ne- if she needs to change the type of card she'll have to physically go into the bank to do that and uh, call in in person that means somebody bringing her to the bank they're trying to make things as difficult as possible 0818 103 103 C103 Jobs 
There is an admin slash receptionist role available at the B- Big Blue Cube in Goose Hill in Mallow. You apply to their website, www.cdys.ie forward slash vacancies. General construction workers are wanted for Cork and the surrounding areas, 021-233-9120. Teleporter driver is wanted for a new housing scheme that's in Cork. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com and an admin assistant forward slash IT support worker wanted for abandoned solicitor's office CVs and your cover letter please to Ted Hallisey at hplaw.ie you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Sadly, with a huge number of families struggling with the huge rises in the basic cost of living, more and more are turning to food banks and to charities to simply put food on the table. So to discuss how a rural food bank is getting on, I'm joined by Esther Kingston who helped to set up the Feed West Cork Food Bank and that was just a little over a year ago. Good morning to you Esther. Good morning Patricia, you're, thank you for having me well, on this morning. You're, you're very welcome. If I can take you back to last year, what were your initial yeah. thoughts when you decided to set up the Feed West Cork group? Yeah, so I suppose a group of us had met together and after the pandemic or during the pandemic it was still on at the time and um, we were discussing and just uh, looking at how um, we could see how people were struggling and there was so much pressure on people and we really just tested the waters and we said to ourselves, um, let's see if there is a need for a rural food bank in the area. And um, so we we really did it not knowing exactly what would what the need would be or anything like that, but we uh, felt that there was somewhat of a need and, and uh, unfortunately and sadly, you know, that, that, is, that is the case. And is do you feel it's needed more than ever this year than it even was last year when you initially set it up? Yeah, definitely. Um, demand has definitely gone up and down over the past year. Um, but definitely within the last few weeks and a couple of months, we've seen an increase, especially with clients who, who perhaps come for maybe, you know, three, four, five weeks just for a little block, you know, need that little help. Uh, individuals who perhaps thought uh, they'd never even need to avail of such a service and um, they've taken that uh, brave and courageous step forward um, to, to come to come to the food bank. So we have we have seen an increase in the last few weeks and months. And it is a brave and a courageous step, Esther, isn't it? Definitely, Some people find definitely. it so hard to say, I need help. 100%. Um, it just takes tremendous courage and strength for people to make that brave initial step and come forward to ask uh, for help. And we really acknowledge that we realise that how difficult it can be. And we do want to just keep saying to people, you know, there is no embarrassment, no shame whatsoever in coming for that helping hand. And if we can be a small way of helping someone to ease that burden and ease that pressure and show them that there is a way forward and that there is hope, that we are just, that is what we want to do for people is just to be there to help them. Well done, well done. And as with all food banks, there's no judgment, there's no questions asked. 100%. If you need a bit of help, look, we're here. Exactly, that's that's right. 
And, and and I'm assuming there will be times where, you know, a large bill will arrive in the door. I mean, you're thinking of people on fixed incomes, maybe with young families. Mm-hmm. This bill has yeah. to be paid because it's the electricity bill or it's the rent or it's the mortgage is due. And that means mm-hmm. then that maybe for the next two weeks, there isn't yeah. any room, there isn't any money to put food on the table. So that's where a food bank can step in. You can help out for those two weeks, get them over that hump kind of thing, isn't it? Exactly. And that's what we've really seen the last little while. It's people who who are working, you know, full time or part time and, you know, just have such a tight budget. There's no wiggle room for those extra expenses, those bigger expenses that are that are unexpected come up. And uh, we've definitely seen how people, you know, if there's an extra extra bill, that's whenever um, they've they've come forward lately to to avail of the service. Yeah, and I I always try and get the message out to people. Look, you might need the help today, but please God, mm-hmm. in another few months, maybe this time next year, circumstances will have changed, and then you can you can pay back. You can say, well, they helped me exactly. out, and now I'm able I'm uh, now I'm able to 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 help that help them uh, out because so unfortunately, so many people are uh, struggling at the moment. Now, where do you source your food items from? Where are you getting donations? from etc well the community is uh, has been a, just a great uh, support around us and um, people have been so good by uh, donating financially or with uh, dry goods or different uh, businesses have stepped forward and, and helped us in different ways and so we're so grateful to the local community for helping us and supporting us and really standing with us in this cause and uh, also we use food cloud which is the organization that's um, gains surplus food from businesses and shops and and that way and so we work with Food Cloud. So between the local community, businesses and uh, Food Cloud, that's where we uh, that's where we get our, and, our food in. and how yeah. does the service operate you, do, you make up weekly food parcels is it is that the way you, you work that's correct yeah every Tuesday we um, make up a food basket you know with um, dry goods you know rice pasta all that sort of thing yeah. and then we provide a bag of fresh food well, so vegetables and um, well done. and then uh, fr- frozen stuff as well So and you work we out of Drimmer League isn't it we do. That's right. Yeah. Out of the Methodist Church there in Drimaleague. So it is. It is quite a central location for people um, coming coming from around. But we have definitely noticed over the past few months that the distance of people travelling has definitely gotten smaller. You know, as uh, the price of fuel has increased, we can see how people just don't have the money oh to, to pay for for fuel. So we uh, are looking at just how we can uh, maybe in the future how we can. Uh, solve that problem and just by helping people um, more so in that area. So there could be people who need your help but don't have petrol or diesel in the car to drive to pick up the food? Yeah, there's definitely people who have to make a choice whether or not they um, they put the money in the car or they go to it's a... Dreadful. It's dreadful. To I mean, we really don't realise how tough it is for people at the moment. And Esther, you sure. know, I was thrilled when when I heard that uh, you you set up last year and Bandon also has a similar... Thank you. Bandon has a food bank as well. Because I always feel it is much, much harder. Again, we're back to the mm-hmm. rural issue. It's much, much exactly. harder, isn't it, for people in rural areas to access help 100%. than, say, somebody living yeah. in the middle of the city. Yeah, it definitely is. Um yeah, it's um it is it is much harder and you know, it's is great. People are so so appreciative. We have people who are just so touched by uh by being able to get the help, you know, in their local area. Uh people are just so overcome 
some weeks you're just uh, you you just realize the difference that you are making in people's lives whenever you have people that are just so touched and and uh, so overcome with uh, the food that they receive and you realize that you know what it's all worthwhile what uh, what we're doing here and and same in Bandon there they've seen so many people come through their doors that they're just so uh, grateful to be able to stand in that gap and just give that extra helping hand as it's needed. Where would this country be without volunteers? I, just, I really exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, and to okay. hear you say, you know, if, you know, the profile of people you're helping out. These are people who get up early in the morning and go to work every day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, um, yeah, such a mixture of people come and, and yeah, some of them have worked all day uh, slogging away, and uh, then just the the money isn't lasting at the end of the day so we're glad to be able to help them out. Okay so to anybody listening in the West Cork area Mm -hmm. in need of your help Esther how can they contact you? Yeah so our phone number is um, 087 287 9118 and so you can text or call us on that and we'll uh, chat to you and um, then um, or you could follow us on Facebook or Instagram uh, Feed West Cork and uh, the same information will be there. And uh, we just ask that people get in touch with us just beforehand, just so that we can make sure that we have enough food and divide it out evenly. Yeah, so that you know so, who's who's calling and when they're calling, etc. Et right. and, and everything so we're done. Open every, we're open every Tuesday morning, 10.30 to 12, and then the evening time, 6 to 7. So it's uh, it's uh, morning and evening on every Tuesday. Well done. You're doing fantastic uh, work. Thanks, and it's uh, the, there's something very sad about society to say that we need food banks in, in 2020. Very true. But we do, we do. And we just have to suck it up and get on with it and and hope that these times pass and pass quickly. Well done to you and the rest of the gang, Esther. And thank you so much much. for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Esther Kingston joining us from the Feed West Cork Food Bank. 0818 103 103. And just staying on people finding it hard at the moment, just spotted this text has come in to say, Hi Patricia, I haven't paid my electricity bill in full since last year and I'm now over €700 in arrears on my bill. At what stage will Electric Ireland cut cut you off? Oh my Lord. Um, I, 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 I don't I simply don't know I, I simply don't know um, OK I would say I would say to you engage with Electric Ireland ex, you know and explain you're obviously in financial difficulty at the moment I would also suggest I don't know if you've looked at this yet the Community Welfare Officer that in fairness Regina Doherty the, the Minister for Social Welfare when it's ever put to her that there are people struggling, like people going to Esther Kingston's uh, group to get food, she's always saying that people don't need to be struggling, that help is available through the Community Welfare Officer. And I know that the Community Welfare Officer does help people out with paying electricity bills. So I don't know if that's an avenue that you can go down, go do, go, you, you would have to go. Some would say cap in hand to the Community Welfare Officer, but you're going to have to go along and explain your circumstances, bring your bills with you, explain the electricity bill and and, uh, and what's been happening. But I know your worry now is that you're going to be cut off. So I would suggest you engage with, it's Electric Ireland are your provider, engage with them, because at least if you're engaging with them, it's when you don't engage that you run the risk of something being cut off. It's the same as we know and have seen so many times with mortgages when people just bury their heads in the sand that's when the banks really come after you but if you engage with them so I would suggest and if you're paying something off and and you're seen to be trying to do something then I 
personally don't think you would be cut off but I don't know if there is a set amount that you get to a set stage where a provider then says oh, that's it we're going to cut you off but certainly a community welfare officer I will, I will be paying a visit there to see how they what they can give you to help you with that bill but going if you're on a very fixed income and you've obviously been struggling and you find yourself now with a 700 euro that is a massive massive bill 0818103103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Going to band in Garda Station for this week's Garda Fiber. I'm joined by Garda Francis Murphy. Good morning to you, Francis. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Now, actually, earlier on on the programme, I mentioned one of our listeners contacted us. It was the story out of Mallow yesterday, last night. They, she spotted uh, a young guy wearing a black hoodie going around her uh, housing estate checking car doors. Now, obviously, she contacted the guy immediately, but she contacted us on the programme this morning to mention it, to advise all residents everywhere to make sure your cars are locked, even when they're outside your door. There, there are people who literally go around just checking to see who's forgotten to lock their cars. There are, Patricia. It's something we always encourage people to do, no matter where your car is parked, whether it is in your driveway or, you know, in a public place. Always keep the car locked. Never keep anything visible. If you're going out to a walk, put away your stuff before you arrive at your destination. It's a temptation. If someone sees something in the back seat or down the footwell, they're going to be tempted. Yeah, even just nipping into the shop. Make sure you lock the car door. Exactly. Yeah. Even visiting yeah. someone's grave, or you know, yeah. there yeah. are opportunists out there that will just take. Unfortunately, you know. unfortunately. Okay, we start today with uh, reports of some criminal damage. Yes, uh, Patricia. There is just a few instances there I wanted to, I suppose, mention. There was a, a criminal damage there out in Drina. Um, dated uh, the thirteenth of July to the fourteenth. Happened overnight between ten p.m. and six a.m. Uh, there was two mach- machines uh, parked up. The windows were broken on them and also a computer broken on one of the machines. Um, I suppose I would say to people, you know, just be careful if you are parking up machinery. Try and park it somewhere where there's lighting or possibly if it's your own yard, maybe get in, you know, sensor lights installed. Definitely lights deter people from going interfering with vehicles that are parked. Possibly, you know, consider, again, if it is your own property, consider getting CCTV installed. Or, you know, nowadays you can get a a camera installed on the actual machine. And this will record any activity. You know, if someone interferes with the machine in any way, this camera will come on by its own accord and record anything that's going on in the vicinity. So it may be worth investing in something like that as well. Yeah, you may be able to catch the, the culprits. Now, a couple of burglaries, uh, both, I see, to unoccupied houses. Yes, um, we've had two now in the last few weeks, uh, Patricia. You know, summer's here, more houses are vacant. So the first incident here occurred um, on the 14th of July between half 11 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon. The people had left the house for the day um, when they returned, they realised that the conservatory door was ajar. Um, entry had been gained, I would say, through an upstairs bedroom window that was left open. So they climbed up onto the roof of the conservatory, gained access through the open windows. Um, in this case, they 
there was a handbag. They took a purse containing a number of items. Um, they also took, in this case, the spare key oh. of the house, which was left on a cupboard in the kitchen. So, again, we always say to people, you know, I've always stressed, do not let spare keys in the vicinity of the house, not inside or outside. It's amazing the amount of people that still put the key under the mat or put the key under the pot. You know, you're looking for trouble. So lock up your doors and windows when you're leaving. You know, if it's night time, leave on some lights. And again, you know, just don't believe in property visible. In this case, I think they ransacked the house. Dreadful to come back to that. It's, it's really, awful, really yeah. Really dreadful. You know, no one wants to be arriving home to that situation. And then there was a second one? There was a second burglary um, occurred, again, in the Bantry area and your Kalekal. Similar situation. The house in this case was vacant for 24-hour period. So it occurred on the 14th of July to the 15th of July, between 4pm and 4pm, roughly. Again, the house was left unoccupied. In this case, they did break a back window They at the back of the house. You know, they rummaged through everything. We don't believe that there was any items removed from the house, but a lot of rummaging and ransacking had been done. Again, we can't stress, do not leave any valuables. You know, had there been valuables in the house that day, they'd they would be gone. They, they would be, be gone. gone. All right. Now, the very intense warm weather has uh, passed, but it is still summertime and lots of people are heading to the beach and the waterways. You want to talk, uh, Francis, about water safety? Yes, just to touch off that matter there, um, Patricia. The beaches, I suppose, West Cork, more than anywhere in the rest of the county, is, you know, full of beaches. So I'm just kind of trying to get it out there to people. If you are going swimming, you know, think safety and never take risks. That'll put you or anyone else in danger. If you are visiting the beach, you know, don't. We would always say it's not encouraged to swim alone. But if you are, you know, just let someone else know on the shore that you are going swimming. Just, it's a safer thing to do. You know, follow the lifeguards if there's any ring boys in the area. Just make yourself aware of your surroundings so that, God forbid, if there is any emergency, you'll know how to act. Um, boating then on the other side or water sports, you know, if you are taking part in any of them, kayaking, etc. You know, just maybe invest in a life jacket. If you're doing it in, in a a place where you're renting it, you will be provided with the life jacket. But if you're doing it on your own accord, you know, maybe spend a few quid on a decent life jacket that fits you properly and it could save your life at the end of the day. And just and be aware of signs. I was down in, in West Cork last uh, weekend and I was down on Long Strand and it, it clearly is, that's an un, unsafe place uh, to swim and the signs are there. But when you're on the beach, it looks absolutely gorgeous and peaceful and you might have people saying, oh, those signs are this. What, what are those signs up for? It's nothing wrong with that sea. But if it says there are rip currents, there are rip currents, do not enter the water. So just abide by uh, the rules that are there and the signs that are there. They're there for your safety. And when you're parking at the beach, Francis, you need to be very careful. Yes, this is an issue, I suppose, that's kind of getting out of hand on some of the beaches, to be honest, at the moment, Patricia. Um, you know, there are a lot more <coughs> motorhomes and camper vans around the last couple of years. One of the concerns that has been raised are when these vehicles are parked along the beachfront. There's a big risk for kids, for children that may appear from behind the parked vehicles onto the path of a moving vehicle on the 
the roadway outside. You know, I'm I'm asking everyone, not just camper vans and motorhome drivers, but anyone that's driving any vehicle, be careful where you're parking. Respect residents and other road users. You know, make sure you're parked legally and don't cause any obstructions, especially, you know, make room for any emergency services that have, if they do have to pass, that they're able to pass. Yeah, but I think a good word of warning on, on keep a lookout for small children because children get so excited when they get to the beach and, of course, mad to get out of the car and they will just run. So you've, you just you never know what's going to come out behind a parked uh, vehicle. So do be uh, so be, please be very, very careful. And road safety at this time of year as well. There are particular things you need to keep in mind, Francis. Correct. Uh, Patricia, I suppose, look, it's a busy time of year. There are more people on holidays travelling around the country, you know, availing, especially again in West Cork, of all the beautiful beaches and attractions. People are driving roads that they don't know. You have people coming from all parts of the country. They're not familiar with the roads. The roads are busier. This will lead to delays and longer journey times. So allow yourself plenty of time when going on a journey. Um, You know, we're all responsible for ourselves on the road, and we have to take into consideration as well pedestrians and cyclists. What I would say is, you know, just it's up to the cyclists as well and pedestrians to obey the rules of the road. You know, there's a large amount of agricultural machinery on the roads, so we also keep to need to keep this in mind. If you do get stuck behind a slow-moving vehicle, be patient. Don't take a chance. Don't overtake. You know, respect your own life and the life of everyone else. Yeah, and the one thing I noticed when I was in West Cork last weekend, I mean, obviously, with that glorious weather, the amount of agricultural machinery that was out on the road, I mean, making hay while the sun shines and all of that. And it is patience that you need. And the way I always feel, if I do get stuck behind a large agricultural piece of machinery they're not going to be going very far they're not going to you know you're not going to be behind them for 50 miles they'll turn off eventually you know either into the farmyard or into the field so just have the bit of patience that somebody out you know working hard you know trying to do their job that's true Patricia and look I know it can be frustrating for people but at the end of the day it's not worth taking the chance no and you know they are doing their job they're trying to make a living and we all just have to be a little bit more patient. Yeah. Okay. And August Bank Holiday weekend coming up, not this weekend, the weekend after it, the Angarda Giacona will be out and about. Yes, Patricia. Um, it will be a busy weekend, I believe, if the weather is good. There's a lot on, there will be a lot of traffic. And we just, you know, just wanted to inform people that Angarda Giacona will have extra resources, details, you know, from the Roads Police Unit. There will be more checkpoints. The main aim is to keep everybody safe and that's our goal okay. at the end of the day. All right, listen, thank you for that, uh, Francis, and we'll, we'll speak again, but thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Good morning to you, Garda Francis Murphy there, joining us from uh, Bandingar, the station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed some of your commentary coming in on a variety of issues that we've been discussing this morning. Firstly, on the 
agricultural emissions cut and what figure are they finally going to agree on and the debate and the argument that's going on certainly between two government ministers Eamon Ryan uh, Minister of the Environment certainly doing battle with the agriculture minister and the farming uh, community somebody when we're talking about and then I mentioned the EPA report which is showing that our emissions are going up instead of down down and one of our listeners has sent me on a piece that was in I think it was yesterday's paper that she spotted and she says, Patricia, this really does beggar belief. And it was a small little news item that was talking about what the Polish government are doing to help out their people because obviously the cost of living has gone up. It's not just in this country, it's a worldwide uh, issue and individual governments are doing their best to try to help out their people as our own government are trying to do for us here. Well, in Poland, according to this report in the papers yesterday, the Polish government are offering every household a once-off payment of 3,000 slotties. Now, if you want to know how much are 3,000 slotties in euro, it works out at about six. 630 euro. Now, householders are being offered this one-off payment to help cover the cost of coal amid surging energy prices, which obviously has been prompted mainly by the war in neighbouring Ukraine. Polish households and heating plants in smaller towns across Poland mostly used Russian coal, but obviously imports were banned by Russia back or by Warsaw back in April, and that was as a direct response to Russia's invasion of their neighbours, Ukraine. So, coal contracted by state-controlled companies and private buyers is instead coming in to Poland. Now, the government are, are pains in Poland to point out that there will be enough fuel for the winter, but it is more expensive than the Russian coal that had previously been com- coming in. So because of that, this subsidy is being made available to householders where coal is their main source of heat. And they're all going to get this. If they if coal fire, they'll get €630 Euro to offset the rise in the price of coal. But the sting in the tail on the article is Poland relies on coal for 80% of its electricity generation on top of the amount of householders who coal is their main source of uh, heat. So this listener making the point that our farmers and fields is being bullied when it comes to climate change and then you've countries that are burning huge amounts of coal, way more coal than us for sure. Thank you for that and emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Tom says Patricia, the nitrates derogation is the problem. It has allowed very high stocking rates which then damaged air and water quality. Now according to Tom, and I'm assuming he's getting his stats, is he from the EPA? We had 500 pristine rivers 200 years ago uh, today we only have 20 20 pristine uh, rivers says Tom someone else by Texas Patricia in relation to your item on agricultural admissions farmers have and will continue to do their fair share however any cuts over 22% will lead to thousands of job losses in rural Ireland and the food will be produced in other parts of the world that will produce much more carbon than if it was produced here in Ireland. The example cited is Brazil. Also, the national media never mentioned the admissions from aviation. Just look at the crowds that have been at Dublin Airport over the last number of weeks and uh, months. Yeah, lots of people point in the direction of the aviation industry and how they need to increase 
uh, carbon uh, taxes and what they pay but the knock-on effect will be more expensive airfares but I suppose if you want to fly you've got to be willing to pay for the emissions that are coming out of the back of the plane. Thank you for that. That's some of the comments coming in on carbon emissions and how we need to reduce ours here in this country and then in banking and AIB and are we heading towards a cashless society and is that what all banks want us to do and a number of people are saying well this is AIB moving to 70 of their I think uh, of their banks going uh, cashless uh, it's uh, 70 of the I don't know how many they have in in total um, but 12 of 12 any of the banks are going cashless here in in Cork and uh, listeners when this is the start of it other banks you know other banks now will watch to see the reaction to AIB how AIB get on and mark my words will have other banks following suit Charlie Whelan says if we do go to a cashless society Charlie worries about staff in hotels surely there'll be less tips with all of this going on the banks will say Charlie you can tip on your card as well but I know a lot of people prefer to tip using using cash I certainly do Eddie and Mahan said the banks were there they were set up to have money and to keep money and to keep cash flowing through society if they're going to go down on this route of cashless what is the point look to the traders where will they have to travel how far would they have to travel to lodge money and Eddie is worried that if traders and business people have to travel long distances in order to lodge their money every night uh, will they start storing the money at home and is that going to leave them vulnerable to break-ins there are certainly security concerns around all of this issue and a number of people are worried about the security side of it and Mary in Canturk says about a month ago the electricity went out in Canturk town there was a power outage for one reason or another and she said while the power was out shops were not able to do any card con- transactions because obviously when you're tapping to go or putting your money in to a credit card or whatever it is it all runs on electricity Mary said there was chaos doesn't that show why cash is king and why we all still need to have access to cash also Mary said she heard a government rep saying that the more card use it will benefit online shopping all well and good but what about local stores I feel employment will suffer in the long run if we are driving more and more people to do all of our banking and our shopping online thank you for that uh, Mary Hi Patricia they're great to be firing laws at us let's throw the law back at them if we all refuse to deal in cards and if we all refuse to use cards and insist that they deal in cash because we know that cash is legal uh, tender they have to or they will be breaking the law Hi Patricia the banks are more interested in profit they have no interest in local communities or their residents despite what all their ads proclaim on TV and radio it's just cynical marketing and it is very very transparent says this listener and some of your whatsapps in on this listen to this one of our listeners who listening to us online in the UK says I was recently home in Cork visiting family from the UK I had sterling with me that I needed to exchange into euro what a joke that was. Nowhere in McCroom would do a straight exchange on foreign currency. Luckily, I had a family member with me. She ended up having to lodge the sterling into her account and then had to withdraw the money for me. At the end of the day, Ireland needs overseas 
tourists. This is really not the welcome that you want to give overseas tourists. It isn't indeed. And weren't you lucky that you had a family member with you? What if you were one of those people that came off the cruise ships that we were talking about with Michael who had cash with them and only deal in cash and wanted to go into foreign exchange and found it difficult to do foreign exchange. It's a crazy, crazy situation. And then someone else has treated anybody else notice there wasn't a mention on the RT News last night about AIB going cashless. This is a news story and not a mention. Now I watched the news. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there was wasn't anything on it. They do have it. I saw online this morning, for example, on the RT News online. They have a piece on it under their regional section. It came from it's this morning and it was to do with anger in Kerry over AIB removal of this five services being lost in. We're losing 12 in Cork across our neighbours across the border are losing five cash services so they, they are covering it but should there have been the system reckoned there should have been more on the news was was thought there will be more on the news about it could it be and I'm not saying that this is the reason but could it be that it's more of a rural issue than an urban issue again I go back to and I don't know having the list now in front of me I don't know if many of the Dublin branches of AIB are going cashless but as Suzanne earlier on Suzanne Rogers from Social Justice Ireland saying she's sitting in the middle of Dublin City talking to us this morning and she was making the point that when a bank goes decides to go cashless so there'll be another bank a couple of streets away so she'll be okay or there'll be another ATM machine so it doesn't affect people in Dublin. Now I'm not saying that's the reason that RTE didn't give enough coverage to it on the news but it could be the fact that it is more of a rural than an urban uh, issue. Thank you for your text. Hi Patricia I suggest we boycott the bank. Anyone who has money in AIB take all your money out and switch. If the bank has no money how will they do then? They'll close down fairly quickly. Hi Patricia, listening to your show about the banks, it's just another nail in the uh, coffin of rural Ireland. Going back to the 70s, people may remember when it was decided to close down all of the creameries around the country. And then the small shop followed suit. There used to be a hive of activity. All of that died. If you drive through small rural areas now, you'll see parishes, sadly, that are simply dead. We need to have businesses in those uh, areas. Hi Patricia, two years ago people lived in lockdown when economy started to recover. Some intelligent politician decided to introduce a carbon tax. It looks like a special action by them to make people even uh, poorer. Okay, also coming into us. Thank you for that. Okay, I think they're all the ones on the banking uh, sector. Okay, Uh, and just on just on a completely different one from Heidi. Here's one from Heidi that says, uh, good morning, Patricia. I was reading that Leo Varadkar back in June of 2022, so June of this year, an article in the Irish Times was talking about sorting out inheritance tax as, now I didn't know this, in Ireland we have one of the highest rates of inheritance tax in Europe. I was not aware of that. It really is time to bring it up on your programme. Maybe what it was before they reduced it from over a half a million euro as people's homes have risen in price and so many have lost lives sadly during COVID prices of funerals it's all everything's gone up this is a tax I feel on tax we've all paid tax on our homes at the end of the day and we pay it over and over again it really is unfair to people at a very sad time in their lives they've lost a loved one now they've discovered they've been left something by way of an inheritance and yet some people have to pay inheritance tax 
Pol- uh, Portugal abolished inheritance tax in 2004. And just a little information for you and your listeners on when inheritance tax was first introduced. It was introduced during the Roman Empire. At the time, they took 5% and it was taken from people to pay soldiers' pensions. Maybe of interest to your listeners, I'm sure that they will have opinions on this subject. Would people like to, would people like to see the Irish government follow suit as to what Portugal has done and abolished inheritance tax. I wonder how much money the Exchequer makes every year on inheritance tax. It isn't something I've looked into. I'll see if I can do some uh, research on it because if they if the Exchequer generates a lot of money from it, then you can be well sure that they won't decide to abolish it. But it does seem a very kind of a mean tax, doesn't it? When somebody, Heidi's right, you're just burying a loved one and everything that goes with that. And suddenly you're dealing with the estate, you've inherited something and you discover that there's an inheritance tax on top of it. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. The next draw for Kildallery Lotto takes place this afternoon at four community office with a jackpot of €4,400. Mallow Men's Shed along with Mallow Women's Shed. They're joining forces to fundraise for the local Lakeila Family Resource Centre. They're holding a table quiz tonight. It's in the Bridge House Bar in Mallow. Tables of four, €40. Euro, and they're hoping to get proceedings underway at 9pm. But they're advising people, come early please, to secure a place. St. Patrick's Cemetery Mass is on in Canturk tomorrow night. That's at 7. Everyone is very welcome. And you're asked to please support the street collection in aid of suicide awareness. It's taking place in Charleville tomorrow, Friday, and again on Saturday. Saturday, volunteers will be collecting throughout the day. And the Celtic Brothers, starring the Willoughby Brothers, will play a concert in St. Declan's Church in Ardmore in County Waterford tomorrow night at 8. Tickets are €25 and are on sale on the gate from 7pm onwards. Now, it's a fundraiser for Ardmore and Grange Parish Funds. A wonderful evening in store at this beautiful seaside venue. And the Mizzen Looper Charity Cycle is taking place this Saturday. All proceeds raised will go towards the West Cork Down Syndrome Support Group and help towards key services for users and their families. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And Dennis is listening to us in... In Oxford in the UK. I don't know if it's sunny or not, but they certainly have been having scorching weather in the UK. But Dennis says it's in the interest of the banks to make more profits by scrapping cash and making us use cards than charging us for every transaction. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, it ain't rocket science, Dennis. It's all about them making money, is it uh, not? OK, also in High Patricia, I'm with Bank of Ireland. And when I do have sterling, you have to lodge it into your bank account, even if you go in with cash and then you have to take it out of your bank account. That's the way it operates. Yeah, but that was the problem that our overseas listener had. They obviously were visiting and didn't have a bank account. Luckily, they had somebody with them that was able to lodge it into their bank account. But you shouldn't have to do that. And what if you're a tourist and you don't have a family member with you that has a bank account in order that you want to you want to change over money? There's got to be there. There obviously are bureaus, uh, foreign exchange bureaus, but they're not available in every single town and village in 
this country and therein lies the problem. Hi Patricia, I wanted to cash a cheque last week. We don't have a bank in our town. So I went into the local post office. Post office wouldn't touch it because it was a third party cheque. Now it was only for 85 euro but it was from a local opticians. I wanted to pay it off my ESP, ESP bill. I ended up having to lodge it into my credit union account and then take it back out again. Thank God for your local friendly credit union for sure. Okay, then on Rivers, there was a couple of calls in on Rivers and this was to do with the listener who was talking about the rivers and the conditions of our rivers at the moment. Dermot in Glanmire has noted with interest during the height of the lockdowns, he noticed that rivers, anybody else spot this, rivers started to become so clear. This was Dermot when he was out on his 2k walk and his 5k walk and staying locally and then when you were allowed to travel around the county and got very excited that we could get into the car and drive somewhere and then go for a walk along a river bank. But he says he couldn't get over how clear the rivers were. You could actually see through to the river bed. Now he was walking in Formoy and in Glanmire and throughout the, the city and he said the rivers just became so clean. He says in a very short space of time during lockdown that he was amazed by it. Now he said when you're walking the rivers are back to where they once were. They're destroyed with litter and muddy water so it was one of the advantages of lockdown. Our rivers were allowed to run clean. David and Bally Hay says the listener who was saying that the rivers were once much more pristine in this country. He said that was perhaps 200 years ago. We've got so many issues now. What about raw sewerage going into the river Blackwater? The same happening in many other areas all over the country. We all have a tendency to point the finger of blame at farmers but what about the public service and local authorities letting this happen? It's just not just farmers that are to uh, blame. Now, let me give a quick shout out to some other things that came in and others, events that are happening that people have asked me to uh, mention. Would you please announce uh, on your community diary, I've just done it, about the Arigland Carnival. We're in our final week and in Arigland, would you believe it is their 65th annual festival. It's a huge, huge event in Arigland every single year. If you're in and around Arigland, place to be this weekend. They always have fantastic events. Hi Patricia, could you advertise the following for me? Court McSherry Harbour Festival commences tomorrow and it will run for the next 10 days. If you're on holidays in Court Mac, there will be lots to see and do. The official opening will take place tomorrow evening, 8 o'clock in the community centre and the opening will be performed by the gorgeous Zara King of Virgin Media News. Full programme can be got on www.courtmcsherry.ie on Court McSherry Harbour Festival Facebook page. Thank you very much. And that's come in from Paul Finn, the festival director. So good luck to everybody in Court Mac. And we hope you have a wonderful festival and that the sun shines down on you uh, throughout the 10 days. Now, remember earlier, somebody is having is in a bit of a pickle with their ESB bill, their electricity bill. They haven't paid it, haven't been able to pay it in full for an, almost a year now. And it has now gone to 700 euro and they're very nervous about when would when would it be cut off and is there a cut off? Does the bill get to a certain stage and when would it be cut off? Somebody wants to point out that in Fair, I don't, I don't watch Fair City now, but if anyone who, who is a regular watcher of Fair City, there's a storyline seemingly on at the moment, a current storyline. It involves gambling and seemingly the gambler obviously hiding his gambling addiction. The household, the electricity get got cut off. So this listener says, I assume that there is a cutting off season and we're in the middle of it at the moment. This listener says, I remember hearing 
some time ago that electricity providers weren't allowed to cut off electricity from October until March because it was the winter months and certainly there was the, all of the utility providers during COVID because they realised people were coming into hard times during COVID as well. There was uh, certainly a th- there was a, a, an agreement put in place that they wouldn't disconnect anybody during what was a challenging period for so many. But others are saying the advice to that listener and we, by the way, in the meantime, we have emailed Electri- Electric Ireland because we know the listener has told us that is the name of the provider that she uh, is with. So we have emailed Electric Ireland just to see if we can also get some further advice for this listener but I know they'll probably come back and say that they they don't engage and they'll ask for the listener to engage but we were looking for just some general advice particularly with that storyline that's on with Fair City because that will put the fear of God into people who are struggling with their electricity bill for whatever provider they're with you know when you watch a programme like that on, on an Irish programme people will be fearful could that happen to them um, as well. Now I do know that if you go on Electric Ireland's website they say to people that you know if you are having difficulty paying your bill to engage with them and they will do their very best to try to come up with a workable solution and they'll engage with you to come up with some ability to pay off your bill and you know and like with all of the other providers they can arrange things like a pay as you go at meter which on a pay as you go meter then you can pay back the arrears on your account as well and help you manage your electricity payments every week and you know all of the electricity companies are really good to do that and Electric Ireland's phone number for that listener is 1800 50 40 21 1800 50 40 21 but I do think don't bury your head in the sand and just sit around hoping that electricity won't be cut off engage with them it's the same with gas providers or when you're running up or any kind of bills are getting on top of you and as I did mention earlier my advice to that listener as well is to go to the community welfare officer 0818 103 103 our phone lines are open John Paul's uh, taking your calls phones have been quite busy this morning so apologies if you've been having difficulty getting through to John Paul but you can call us now particularly if you've got a pet question for Jane Pickett our resident vet you can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Off to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett, our resident vet, uh, joins us. Uh, good morning to you, or good afternoon as it is now. Good afternoon, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And I want to start with something that we touched on earlier on in the week when one of our listeners, Martina, who was so distressed when she contacted us, she lost her gorgeous five-year-old border collie on from heat stroke uh, at the weekend. I think it was either Sunday or Monday during that very intense weather. Mm-hmm. They thought that they had left enough water out. They thought there was enough shade. The dog was fine in the morning time. But when they went out to check the dog in the afternoon, the dog was dead from heat stroke. Oh, goodness. That's very sad to hear. And so I'm obviously so distressing for for the owner. I think heat stroke is a, is a really scary one because, you know, it can really sneak up on dogs. I think very much like that listener has said, you know, they thought they left enough water. They thought they left enough shade. And I know a lot of us will kind of take measures to try and um, allay the risk. But, 
really nothing kind of replaces you know supervision and making sure that you know they're kept an eye on and that can always be difficult like everybody's life situation is difficult a lot of us were out at work during those really really hot periods so some of these situations are very difficult and can't necessarily be got around so my condolences to that lovely listener I'm sure you did everything you could it sounds like you really tried to make sure they had adequate shade make sure they had adequate water and did do what you could but sadly sometimes these things happen and it's it's so so sad when it does and what do you look out for how how would you know if your dog was getting distressed i think difficulty breathing is a big one um panting excessively so there's there's a bit of a fine line between panting to expel heat which is quite normal but panting with a little bit of extra effort sometimes they'll also become a bit restless so they'll stand down walk around just seem a little bit off like they're trying to find comfort and they can't find comfort in the latter stages of heat stroke it can be more obvious signs so collapse so they may not be able to to get up and walk around in some cases they can have let's say little fits that's that's quite common um it really is just um difficulty in blowing off that heat so usually really really excessive deep kind of distressed panting is what we normally associate with kind of signs of heat stroke initially and then lather lather kind of um lethargy unable to move feeling very distressed and and so i know when 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 i was looking into it when i knew martina was uh, was joining us I, I, the one thing you don't do is like throw a bucket of water over over the dog that can cause shock mm, i suppose so it's it's a thing that we want to cool them down quickly but not too quickly i think although a bucket of water may be tempting i think the best thing you can do really is try and cool them like that but i wouldn't go for icy freezing cold water um i would go for let's say water that feels cool to the touch but not absolutely you know you can hold your hand in it comfortably tepid Tepid is a good way of putting it yeah tepid to start with now we might do more aggressive cooling once they get to the veterinary clinic but we do know that pets that have some active cooling before they get to the vet. So you notice your pet may have signs of heat stroke. Start to cool them down with some some cold slash tepid, but not absolutely freezing water. And it is best to put the water on them and not cover them in anything. I think a really a common thing that we see is people putting wet blankets on their pets. Yeah. But what that does is it might cool them down for about 10, 15 seconds. But then all the extreme heat will go into the blanket, into the the the, the blanket that's covering them the wet blanket and then it's almost insulated in oh. so you're stopping further heat expelling so i suppose although a bucket is not ideal it is probably the best thing that you can do for them at home um, if you have any fans that's helpful but what i would say and what i really really stress is that if you suspect your dog does or might have signs consistent with heat stroke don't try and treat it yourself at home Heat stroke is really serious thing. You need to be brought to a vet. You're not going to be able to solve it in a home environment. Even if you have a slightest suspicion, attend your vet because the signs are subtle. They can deteriorate quickly and it might be too late if you try and manage it yourself at home. I know if you look online, you can find all different cures for heat stroke. I think one that was recently growing around was lemon juice, which is the silliest thing I have ever heard in my life. And I think that the difficulty is a lot of people might, I suppose, in in good faith, read these things online, think that they can help their pet. Really, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad information out there online. If you think your dog has heat stroke, it's a veterinary emergency. They need to attend 
attend the clinic. But whilst you're ringing the clinic, let them you know you need to come in as an emergency. If you can start to actively cool your dog with some cold but not freezing water, we know that those pets that are actively cool before they attend the clinic do slightly better than those that don't. So it's okay. And do. and dogs sweat differently to the way we sweat in that they pant and it's through their paws it's not through their skin like we sweat sure it isn't exactly exactly so their paws so i think one really common thing is very much like us if we get nervous some of us might sweat sometimes if i have a particularly nervous pet in the clinic i can see their little sweaty paw prints on the on the, ah, the bless. room table yeah so they do sweat through their paws predominantly um but their main mechanism of getting rid of heat is not really their paws it's panting it off it's it's actively expelling it with the air which in some cases is really effective but obviously when the ambient kind of heat of the air around it is really really hot it's very difficult to get that heat to exchange and they'll really struggle and I think pets that particularly struggle are those that have kind of shorter faces so brachycephalic breeds maybe like pugs frenchies bulldogs they're really not built for any kind of heat at all and they are big 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 heat stroke risks but also other patients that might be overweight, they will struggle more in heat. And also actually heart patients, they will struggle a little bit more in heat. So they're the ones that you really particularly need to keep an eye out for. But every pet is vulnerable. So take measures to keep them cool. Yeah. And Lynn, one of our listeners said, I was totally shocked by that story on your programme earlier on in the week. And my heart goes out to Martina and her family. I have a long haired Alsatian. I was wondering, uh, would a trim help in case that excess heat comes back? It can help. But it won't it won't eliminate the risk. I think okay. it, it will help if they're carrying a lot of hair. It's like us putting on a lighter, a lighter T-shirt rather than a fuzzy jacket. It can help somewhat. But, you know, you still really need to be very careful, even if they have the tightest cut in the world and they have their summer coat on. You need to be really careful to, you know, make sure you're providing ample shade, water, a cool area, access to the indoor where it's cool or climate controlled, potentially with a fan. You need to you need to still really aggressively offer those measures, particularly when the temperatures really, really begin to rise. Okay, somebody else wants to know, can cats suffer from heat stroke? Yes, and cat heat stroke is a lot more kind of clinically silent. So they tend to hide the signs until it's really, really severe. Cats um, are sometimes really good at kind of, you know, deciding where they need to go to be cool. They'll sometimes find a nice shady spot, but others are really a little bit too far down the line of sun basking. So they're sun worshippers and they will just lie out for hours and end. And particularly ones which, let's say, have blacker coats, they would be more inclined to kind of hold the heat in. Now, that's marginally more than an average cat. So every cat is at risk if they are a sun basker because some will kind of almost just fall asleep in the sun and kind of not realise that they've um, got got really hot. Um, and before they before they kind of can engage brain to move to a cooler area, it's a little bit too late. They've had too much sun exposure. And for cats, they may be seen to pant sometimes, but a lot of the time it's just them becoming exceptionally quiet and not being able to move around and sometimes having fits. So the signs are a lot more subtle. OK, OK. And then uh, Dennis said that his, uh, by his own admission, his overweight Jack Russell really struggled in the warm weather. Mm. He read something online about a cooling mat. Does Jane know anything about them? Yeah, sometimes some of those are really great. Um, what are, what are they? Kind of almost, do you know, I don't actually know what they're filled with, but a lot of these cooling mats kind of almost have like a gel-like substance within them. Some of them can be put in the, the fridge, not the freezer. Very careful to, to note, don't use kind of directly frozen objects next to your pet because you can cause freezer burn or skin burns and that's really serious. So don't be tempted to do that. But some of these mats either actively cool themselves 
So they're kind of just really cool to the touch, but safe for your pet, or some of them can be refrigerated. Um, so just follow the package instructions. They are actually a really useful kind of uh, accessory to have in your arsenal, but they don't replace the basics of shade, access to the indoors, lots of water, making sure the air is cool. But they are a really, really helpful thing. Okay, but the overweight dog is typical of somebody that will yeah. struggle in, in, in that very, Difficult. very hot weather. Yeah, and you know, we're, we don't know if, it, if the very intense heat is going to come back, but it is possible that it will. OK, just some other questions in. Could you ask Jane, please? I have a fully indoor cat, doesn't go outside at all, was fully vaccinated as a kitten, is now two years old. Does she need to have updates on her vaccines, even though she is totally indoors? Uh, yes, I would suggest, though. If she's entirely indoors her risk is lower so she may only need some components of the vaccine but what i'd say is it's really important to just think about what you what you what you're saying when you're saying your cat is totally indoors is there ever a window left open in your house do they have access to the back garden or a back patio because if so they still have the same risk as an outdoor cat so it's really important to kind of make that distinction between although they may live mainly indoors do they have any access to the outdoors under any circumstances in which case they do really warrant full vaccination as you would with an indoor outdoor cat but if they are purely indoor have a discussion with your vet as regards their risk and um, that will be very personal to your pet situation their health status um, and obviously what you know how much access to the outdoors or not they have but if they are purely indoor it may just be some components that will be recommended um, but it's a little bit more of a complex one so I think a chat with your vet to kind of discuss the pros and cons would be be the best way forward. Okay Claire says could you ask Jane please how do I stop my 18 month old very boisterous Labrador from eating gravel or will he just simply grow out of it? Oh Oh, goodness okay Um, he may grow out of it but a lot of these things are kind of stereotypical habits so once the habit is built they'll continue it I think really you need to try and take measures to either restrict their access to these gravelly areas because, you know, gravel, although sometimes it's small and it'll pass throughout the other end, you know, if the dog's eating gravel, the chances are they're going to eat sharp bits of gravel or larger stones and they are foreign body risks. So they are risks that they could have, um, they could cause an obstruction within the gut um, perhaps need an operation to relieve sometimes not such a good outcome for the pet. So they are quite dangerous things. I would suggest restricting your access to the gravel if that's at all possible. I know in some situations that might not be if it's all around the house. But maybe try and give them other things to replace that behaviour with. So maybe stuffed toys, let's say um, Kongs, plastic toys that can be stuffed with little, little bits of kibble and maybe some cream cheese or peanut butter. So it fulfills that part of his brain that he feels like he needs to investigate and chew and mouth things, but in a safer way. So I really think that may be the first step, but in you know, restricting is probably the safest way to to go about um, limiting the risk to him. Okay, and very finally, could Jane offer advice, please? I'm worried about my little dog. I'm heading back to work in September. I've been working from home for the last three years. Uh, I've been working from home a month after he came to live with us. I'm worried about separation anxiety. Okay. Um, I totally empathise it's really difficult because it's going to be a big change for both you and your pet the one thing I'd say is if it's it's September time before they're going back is that correct? Yeah she's going back in September um, yeah start treating your day and start adding in cues into your day that will be consistent with what you'll be doing in September so get ready get ready to go to work in the morning pretend like you're about to leave the house leave the house briefly walk around the block come back 
So start adding in those small nuggets of what life will be like in September so that everything's not a shock to your pet. It will be a shock to the system. And it's important to make sure that, you know, they're checked regularly, that they have enough space and water and shade whilst you're out. If you can get somebody to pop in to walk the dog or if it's feasible for you to pop home to walk the dog in the middle of the day, then that's really ideal because that will break things up. But if you can try and kind of maybe make your start of the day one thing that you can tackle in advance, that's helpful. So maybe, you know, find a place to put your dog when you leave the house, give them a stuffed Kong toy as a nice little reward and distraction. So that's the signal marker that, you know, OK, I'm going to get a tasty treat, but my owner is going to disappear for a while, but it's all OK. And maybe do things like put the radio on in the background, start doing that. So try and make as much of your dog's experience consistent with what you're planning for them in September now whilst you're around to smooth the transition. Because although it will be difficult in September, because obviously there's inevitable change that you can't foreshadow, you will have controlled some of the factors. So have a little think about what bits you can build into your day and start showing your dog now that will be consistent with September. Okay, all right. And it it will hopefully all work out for you. All right, listen, Jane, as always, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll talk to you again next Thursday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye bye. Good afternoon. That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket and she is part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Just quickly looking at some uh, texts in. Eileen says, Trish, just let your listeners know, I rang air this morning. I was pleasantly surprised at the quick response. Two minutes max I was on hold. This used to be a nightmare before. So their response time has massively improved. Enjoy your day. As from Eileen, thank you for that. Eileen, yeah, they've put a lot of work into customer service uh, for sure. And Mary says, Patricia, just a bit of light information for you. The character in Fair City that you spoke about earlier that has the gambling problem is actually played by Saoirse Ronan's dad. Well, who knew? And thank you to somebody who sent me in a photograph of what is a cooling coat for dogs. It can be used indoors or outdoors. It's made from highly absorbing cooling material. Uh, you simply soak it in water and then it remains moist for hours and it's made of a cool mesh outer lining. So that is obviously available in pet stores. Thank you for that. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards this week. So he's next. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Work today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.